Cat, welcome to the Green Element Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Your company, Share Impact, um, you work with a lot of social entrepreneurs. Would you like to introduce yourself? And yes. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much, Will, um, and thanks for inviting me on the podcast. So, yeah, well, my name is Kat, and I am um, the coach for social entrepreneurs. So I set up Share Impact uh, nearly three years ago now um, with a vision to help social entrepreneurs measure and communicate their impact better so they could actually run sustainable profitable businesses um, and this really came out of my experience of being a social entrepreneur myself so back in 2013 me and my um, best friend Jen were given an amazing opportunity to actually um, turn a, a sort of not-for-profit organization into a social enterprise that ran an education program in schools and maybe tell you a little bit more about that later but through that experience of um, setting up and growing that business um, we learned a huge amount about social entrepreneurship, but also for me, what I found really interesting was how we approach social entrepreneurship slightly differently to a lot of other social entrepreneurs in the UK, um, particularly our approach to wanting to generate a trading income um, and not being reliant on grants and funding, but also wanting to have both a social and an environmental impact, whereas although it's changing, a lot of social entrepreneurs very much and quite rightly have you know social impact as their mission and um, but often ignore the environmental elements that I think lots of businesses should just consider as the course of their business and I think as social entrepreneurs it's increasingly important um but also that yeah as I said like lots of social entrepreneurs not really recognizing how to generate sales how to have a profitable trading income um and very much have this sort of dependency on grant funding um, and also not really being able to communicate their social or environmental impact very well and very much focusing on describing what they do not the difference that they make which for me is obviously the essential part of a social enterprise so um, as I was transitioning and, and thinking about what I was going to do next after running and, and leading solutions for the planet um, this is really what I was always thinking about was how can I help more social entrepreneurs to recognize um, the importance of generating a trading income and um, measuring and communicating their impact better so that they can actually uh, generate those sales, they can attract customers, they can build a tribe around what their mission is. So that's what Share Impact's about um, in not a very concise way, but is essentially um, trying for me is trying to create an ecosystem of social entrepreneurs and, a, and a, an economy of social enterprises that actually does good in the world so do you find a lot of um social entrepreneurs wanting or needing grants then it's interesting that you you mentioned it twice just now mm -hmm. um yeah so I think a lot, I think there's, there's definitely different camps, but often um, the social entrepreneurs I come into contact with um, are either organisations that have come out of the third sector um, or are filling a public service sort of area and therefore um, have a mindset within like the charity space that they need to kind of generate income through um, grants or funding or sometimes investment mm. but don't necessarily come to social entrepreneurship with a business mindset 
and with a, an approach that they need to generate income through trading. Um, or the others, which is a much smaller area actually, but is um, sometimes um, I come across um, uh, people who have have a business, but they're not very they're not very successful in that business, and so for some reason think that having a social enterprise is the new thing to do, the new buzz, because they believe there's grants funding out there for that, um, and think that because what they they might be able to shift their business slightly to have some social good or some environmental good that they're looking at that and so I often have initial client calls with people in that situation but actually you know coach them around well you know social entrepreneurship is like any other business you still need to generate sales and if that's the issue you're having with your existing business you really just need to learn and focus doing that side of things but I absolutely recognize there are that um, there are lots of people running very successful social enterprises who come from a business background and run it as a business that's not my 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 target client group yeah no that makes sense it's funny it's it just resonated with me because um we've never we actually did we took a five grand grant um for something the last year but in reality we haven't really taken a grant mm -hmm. at all ever and that has always worried me the fact that if you become reliant on it yeah then what happens if it dries up then you're you're completely skewed with mm -hmm. your prop p and l yeah you know you're you haven't got a true p and l if you take yeah. it on exactly and i think there's real there's real advantages to accessing grants so especially at startup phase i think if you're testing things out you're piloting things and um, you know getting a grant to start up is a brilliant way and actually increases the access for lots of people who otherwise wouldn't be able to implement their ideas that they have which are brilliant so i think grants are brilliant for startup stages but i think lots of people because they get a grant starting up they forget to do, sort of do their business plan and think through how they're going to generate an income mm -hmm. um and then get into this trap and this kind of wheel of always applying for grants but i also think grants are brilliant if you're piloting something new in your business if you're trialing something new and um, you know or you're you're putting it towards some new research and development or building capacity and um, i think that's that's great and, and needed and valuable so i don't i'm not against grants but mm -hmm. i think they need to be used um, at certain times and in proportion and recognizing in social enterprises that as a social enterprise, you're a business. It's just, you're a business that does good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. And you touched upon something that I also have noticed amongst B Corps and sustainability in businesses. And um, I'm smiling because I just, I, I just see it quite a lot where people aren't, they, but social enterprises that or social entrepreneurs that don't um, have a huge environmental um, stance stance yeah. or Focus, don't yeah. take it seriously. Mm -hmm. They kind of are doing loads of really good stuff and it's kind of left on the side. Yeah. And I find it interesting and problematic because for me, um, coming to business with ethics and principles and um, core values around social and environmental impact are kind of core to me and they're all intertwined so like um you know having a focus on the sustainable development goals or um just wanting to do good in the world i don't see you i don't see and i i can't in my own head separate social impact out from environmental impact i think they're you know completely intertwined mm -hmm. and i think if you come from a perspective of understanding just general you know understanding sustainability and wanting to create sustainability global sustainability and 
you ha you recognise that um, the social, the environmental, and the economic all come together as one. And so for me, it's part of that that I find it very difficult to understand why um, social enterprises set up with very clear and important social aims, but don't have any recognition to even some basic environmental principles and values that they could be doing just small things towards in running their business, if not to, in terms of their core mission. And why do you think that is? So I think it's a lack of awareness and knowledge. I think it's the same for um, everybody globally in terms of, you know, some people are very aware and knowledgeable and there are still significant proportions of a population that just don't know and don't know how things are interconnected. Um, I think lots of organisations um, do just set up with a very so clear social purpose and often are, are so focused on that one thing they're completely switched off from a lot of other things that are either associated to that particular issue and or of what else is going on um which i think is a big business it's sorry a big challenge for businesses generally when you're you know always looking inward and not um looking at what's external um both positive and negative to your business um and I think, and then I think just a lack of those that are interested and would like to be doing something um, are just not sure where they could start. And I think feel a little bit like that maybe that it has to be part of their mission rather than seeing that it's, it could be just part of their operations and doesn't have to be a core part of their purpose and mission like their social aims are. And what's interesting is over the last couple of months, I've seen quite a lot of um, comments and posts on LinkedIn and questions posed around how more how more um, voluntary organisations and charities can embed environmental practices into their operations and that's come up um, a little bit for social entrepreneurs but much more so in the voluntary and community sector which I found really interesting and sort of been trying to follow um, because I think it's it's those organisations starting to see this wider alignment of of their bigger values and the impact that they're having as an organization interesting interesting i wonder if we'll see more people wanting to report emissions and um want to reduce mm. i wonder if um yeah because i know that we've seen a massive uptake on it in the last i'd say year or two and um like we expect to see it more and more within we tend to deal with private businesses in green elements yeah but um yeah it's yeah hopefully hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing for long enough to um to have seen ebbs and ebbs and ebbs and lows lows yeah yeah okay brilliant yep. thank you <laughs> but uh, i do genuinely i actually think that we are i don't think we're going to see a back um back channeling i think we i think it will continue to grow now um yeah did say that in 2008 but um yeah <laughs> i do think there's much more public awareness and i do think um you know the the younger generation um are are not giving up on the message you know they're not um letting go of it and i think although as always it's not like it's i think it's it's unrealistic to think that that's the whole youth you know um but I think it's interesting how 
the um, Extinction Rebellion, but also just the youth movement in terms of climate, the climate, like tackling the climate crisis, mm. has completely shifted um, what you like, even just in terms of what you see in mainstream media and what's covered these days over the last 12 to 18 months. Like, I think it's it's dramatically different. And I don't think we've seen a shift like that happen so quickly as well. And um, before I think there has been a sort of a, a tidal change in public awareness, if not public action. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and workforce is getting older. I mean, we've what I think millennials are now 40 uh, coming up to about 40 years old. Yes. So and if it is in inverse commas millennials, and I know I fall just outside that, but um, if they are all thinking similarly about sustainability, then uh, there'll be an awful lot of millennials running organisations now, mm-hmm. and it's quite senior in organisations because they're uh, they're getting to the top of their um, you know their kind of career career ladder, and therefore they will be making the decisions that need to be made. Mm-hmm. So we'll see changes on the back of that as well, and I guess. Yeah. Hopefully, at some point, government will um, have younger people. <laughs> then <laughs> I'm not going political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. I would love to. There's certain people, um, yeah, who I would love to see in, in, in positions of, of power all over the world. So, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there is actually a correlation. If you look at the more sustainable nations, whether they have younger leaders, I've never mm-hmm. thought about it. But yeah. off the top of my head, I think that possibly is true. Yeah. But I, yeah. just more in touch. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. What would you say your business superpower was? Um so I think it's really tapping into helping people understand what makes them unique um and how they can communicate that. So often with my clients, so generally I work with female social entrepreneurs and often they have a really clear vision and a very clear message but i think they just get lost in it and they don't feel often it's good enough or it's strong enough or it needs to be more it needs to be glossier and fancier and so um a lot of the work i do is around coaching them through gaining confidence in what it is they want to create um, and trusting their intuition um, and really helping them uh, grow that message and get that message out there to a bigger audience um so yeah that would i suppose is if i had to pick one thing is what i'd say the superpower is that's interesting um so you've seen quite a lot of um organizations um running and you've talked a bit about their struggles what would you say some of the biggest struggles you've seen have been and how they've over overcome them um i think for lots of social entrepreneurs and this may just be the people that i work with but the access to finance and when they're getting started or wanting to you know scale up is one of the biggest issues and i don't think it's that there's a lack of access to finance necessarily i think it's a lack of knowledge about how to access that finance and particularly for women and we know that globally women access like i think it's a it's a ridiculously small percent and i always forget the percentage but it's less than 10 percent 
of the global finance that's available women just aren't accessing it for all sorts of different reasons um and so that's one of the biggest hurdles like i think generally having uh, an understanding and this is not something i have either necessarily but um have it's something i'm i'm sort of learning more about and realizing that we have a lack of sort of financial literacy in terms of money and what's you know that we don't just have to generate money ourselves necessarily as an income that you know you can negotiate with all sorts of different partners and players and stakeholders to access finance and investment but for some reason there is a big block particularly for women in doing so um, and you know there's all sorts of different reasons around that I think for social entrepreneurs in particular as well one of the biggest challenges as I said earlier which is why I set up my business is just not understanding how to measure their impact. So having very clear vision into, and, and definitely creating the impact that they want to create, but thinking that this idea of impact measurement has to be incredibly complex or done by a PhD, you know, student or academic, um, which in some cases will be the case. But I think for startups or social entrepreneurs that are in the first few years of business often doesn't require such complex levels of, academic rigor or research it's really about sort of a straightforward approach for thinking through how they can demonstrate their impact in different ways um, and sometimes that might require bringing people in to do some of the work for them but more likely it's because of their lack of capacity than um, their lack of ability to do it so one of the things for me is to sort of simplify and make it more um, accessible for people to understand how they can get started in thinking through particularly their social impact measurement I think um, around the environmental side that is not my area of expertise at all necessarily and so um, it's still an area that where we would kind of bring people in um, and explore that with them but I also think it's evolving in lots of different ways because um, there's also this tension between um, using existing models and frameworks around what social good is but when you're a completely new innovative radical thinking um social enterprise transforming things quite differently and kind of setting new values or new paradigms and things the old models of measurement don't necessarily align and so there's some challenges there in actually creating new measures for what that social good and that social impact actually is um, which i think again is what some social enterprises really struggle with because they don't think that they can do that they think that it has to kind of conform even though they're creating completely radical solutions okay um how do you what's the most innovative way that you've seen um people engage their staff suppliers customers with their mission and purpose Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the things I think, I don't know if it's innovative, but I think what works really well is um, when brands and the people within those brands are just really open and honest about how they run their business. So there's complete transparency and accountability and there's a real sense. So on social media, for example, they're always sharing behind the scenes of how they're running their business. So everything from so you really know who the people are in the business you know the stories you know what's going on day to day you kind of see um the good and the bad of what's going on in that brand and i think for me that's something i really um 
align to and I always look for brands that have that kind of thing because and I don't know what it is there's probably some really you know clever psychology around it but I do think you feel part of the family kind of thing you feel part of that brand and you're invested in them and I suppose you've built a relationship with the people that make up that brand and it's not this kind of um distant business it's actually something you feel part of so I think I think lots of social entrepreneurs are doing that quite cleverly um and really kind of because it's part of their values to be open and transparent they kind of have that openness on all their communications as well so that they're uh, you know and also having um customers for example create their content their social media content so that you know if you buy um a particular product and then you wear it and you'll take a photo and you tag them in they will share that as you know their content because it's it's showing their customers as well yeah that's really good that's um yeah, I guess, and that's and that's where we should be going is that transparency and that um, it's that honesty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really knowing because I think consumers are becoming more savvy about, um, you know, supply chains, human rights, environmental practices. They're asking more questions, and the way they're asking more questions and putting more pressure on brands is through social media. It gives it it kind of gives us that access to brands to challenge publicly where brands have to kind of show up and respond. Um, and so I think social enterprises are just doing that naturally because they see when you don't do that and you don't have that openness, all sorts of things can go wrong. And that's it. So I think it's just part of, it becomes part of the culture to do that. Okay. And what do you think, if you, if you could give some advice to our listeners about helping them with their purpose, what, what do you think that would be? I think if people don't feel they have a purpose to their business and they feel like they want to have a um in the you know in terms of a social or environmental purpose I think it's it's almost harder to you know to obviously if you're starting out it's easy to kind of think well what's the why why are we doing this what are we doing but I think if you're um already existing as a business and you're looking at we want to maybe sort of define and have a clearer purpose I think the best thing to do is could be to actually, you know, engage with your stakeholders and your customers and find out because there probably already is a bigger purpose. They just, you know, it's, it's just unpacking that and stuff. Um, and I'm just going back to a, an example that I think is brought up in lots of books around purpose um, and, you know, discovering your why and stuff, but it's an airline in the States that looked at, um, that, that went through this process basically they were really struggling and realized that they needed to kind of bring staff customers everybody back on board with a more clearly um, defined purpose and, and I'm not going to be able to explain it very well now or what it was but essentially it was around you know relationships and everybody both staff and customers and the experience that staff and customers have being the most important thing which actually I think for an airline company isn't necessarily and it might it might sound like well that's just it's lip service it's an easy thing but they really embedded it in and i'll share this example so that you can kind of maybe share it with me <laughs> i'm not explaining it very well at all will but it was a really powerful you are, you are, you are turned around their business um to make that difference yeah. so just okay yeah i think i actually think i know who you i think it's us airways you're talking about i think 